Gotta get in there. Do you have a ticket? Can't let anyone in without a ticket. I'm Roy Kent. He does look like it. A little. Down the mouth. Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> I believe you're holding a ticket for Raymond McIntyre. <sighs> Good to see you back, Reba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Biscuits with the Boss, your Ted Lasso podcast. I am one of your Richmond teammates, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is Tom Zoller. Hello. And David Miller. Hello, everyone. So um, we all have on our Christmas list um, replica Richmond jerseys. Both Linda and Chris said we need to get those for Christmas. So, uh, so uh, as we hit before uh, we recorded, Tom just bought a new car, so he's excited about that. David's ready for a nap, and I told him I already took a nap. So, <laughs> this is going to be an exciting episode, as it always is when we're talking about Ted Lasso. Uh, we are talking about episode four, five, and six. We will be spoiling everything through season two uh david you want to start us out any quick thoughts about the last three episodes you know the funny part is is that you saw so much angst on twitter before this episode six where everyone was saying there was no drama this season and friday morning i got up i watched the episode and brett goldstein who plays roy kent wrote episode six and my tweet was, Twitter, there's no drama in Ted Lasso this season. And then the answer is, Brett Goldstein, are you not entertained? And that is my most uh, liked tweet of all time. And, and Brett liked it as well and actually commented on it. So I was, I was happy with that. That's very nice. Very good. Uh, yeah, I am... Um... I, I, I trust these writers. So I was, um, I was going, okay, I, I've, I feel like they're going to one, I'm in I'm, I'm enjoying the individual episodes, but also I trust in the long arc that they know what they're doing. How about you, Tom, any quick thoughts? Uh, I trust them. I was worried that they just from the first season caught lightning in a bottle and that it would be hard to do again. And I think, the only real hiccup they had is that they intended the first three to be one episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought there was drama in episode five. I think episode four, the Christmas episode is very much a standalone episode. That's meant to be watched at any point and not require you to advance the plot since didn't. So, but even from the moment that Roy comes back and you see how Nate reacts to it, you just know there's going to be something. And I was pleasantly surprised at what there was. Yeah, in fact, I, I think we'll jump ahead to that, if you don't mind. Um, let's, let's dwell a little bit on that. We, in our last episode, we were concerned about Nate. And I think, um, I think David, you're the one that said you thought there was more to it that we were going to see a little bit more, if I remember correct, right? Didn't you have a theory? Yeah, I think both Tom and I did, actually. Yeah, and I, right. if, you know, for, for me, I thought that that definitely there was going to be something more. And I think Tom thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was thinking that there was more to the reasoning behind it. Um, right. Yes. Right. And, and so for me, I felt like it was definitely going to come to light, but I got to tell you when, when, when he spits on that mirror, all I wanted was for him to clean it. That was it. I just yeah. wanted a scene <laughs> where he goes back and cleans the mirror. I was heartbroken by that really. Yeah, um, I, I, I loved um, him going in at the restaurant and, you know, finally being assertive, though I do agree with you. I'm like, it does seem very natish to go back and clean that up. Absolutely. Uh, and then um, I also love the idea that he tried to be tall the way Rebecca right. does so that just right. doesn't work and, and she is so tall anyway that when she does that it does look like she's and gains like a foot um 
so yeah we've got the wonder kid uh you know uh i i thought that was a nice twist that uh it shows that nate has has a knowledge of football he isn't just it isn't just because he's a good person uh ted uh promoted him so uh i i and i kind of like the idea of him saying well, yes, we need to score, but so do they. So if we can, you know, it's the old thing, defense wins championships, right? If 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 we score, me we may win. If they never score, we will win. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was incredibly artfully done because they figure out a reason to get rid of Ted. So the team, is, the coaching staff is missing their leader and they're clearly rudderless. It's not that they can't figure it out. It's that they weren't prepared to figure it out at this moment. The Nate spitting thing was a great visual so that when you see him do it, you like, you, you know, it's, uh, um, it's like a rig or Murtaugh in lethal weapon cracking his neck. Like, you know, stuff's going to happen. And it's such a great way to start that out so that, you know, things are going to happen. And you put them in a situation where it's, it's not that it was easy, but it was, more plausible than any other situation for Nate Nate to take command because he didn't have to supersede anyone like in a chain of command. There was no chain of command. Everybody was kind of freaking out and he's the one who, who took the lead. And I particularly like that as much as he gets to be the center of attention and as much as he gets to be cool, the first thing he does is mispronounce wonder kid and (laughs) ask, can we take it back? And they're like, no, you can't. Um, And I thought that was a, that one scene, well, the, the whole arc gives me hope for a lot of things, but that one scene makes me think that they're not taking an easy arc with Nate, that just to knock him back in the middle of his big success is going to keep him from getting way too cocky. Like, it's going to be a much more natural flow. And it's, uh, it's one of the things that I'm really impressed with how, how they're handling things is that they're going to good places, but they're not taking the safe route to get there. Yeah, David. Yeah, for him, for Nate to to have that moment where he was able to take charge and then, as Tom said, to, to kind of get a little bit of that comeuppance by mispronouncing Wonderkin and just kind of putting him back in place, I think it, it allows us to continue on with that. Okay, well, what's going to happen with Nate? And, and obviously there's no resolution yet that we've seen. There's no There's no quick fix. This isn't something that's fixed in a... 30 minute episode, just like Ted is not fixed in a 30 minute episode, et cetera. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out over the next six episodes, basically. Yeah. I think um, we, we had all talked about that. We thought it was kind of neat to see Roy be on TV and to be good at it. Um, And, and I, for one, think they earned him being a coach. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, you know, instead of just being the easy, oh, this is a good way to have him by actually having Isaac kind of, you know, um, being in a wigwam and a teepee um, and which, by the way, is one of my favorite lines ever. Uh, the and okay. to have them in his head. Right. Uh, and to, for them to go and ask Roy for help and Roy. And I realize it's a parody of every romantic comedy and they we're going to talk about that in a little bit whether that worked for you or not but i love that where he realizes wait a minute i don't want to do this i i don't want to just commentate i don't want to be on the sidelines i want to be literally on the sidelines i want to be in the room where action is happening uh mm-hmm. david your thoughts on them getting him to be as a coach yeah, I mean, in this case, the whole episode started that way with with uh, Ted approaching him in the kebab shop, which, by the way, I thought that kebab shop scene was excellent. The way that it was done, the acting in that, um, I really I really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, a couple of the things that we'll touch on, you know, whether these themed episodes, whether we, we like these themed episodes, well, you've got your your Christmas episode that we really haven't touched on yet because, because Tom's right. It's a really a standalone episode. It doesn't advance the plot. Then you've got the romantic comedies and maybe it just hit me because I love romantic comedy so much, 
that I really thoroughly enjoyed it and how it was done. And then using those, those tropes, but in a smart way. And then just to have, just to have Roy say, you had me at coach. Yeah. I'm in. Tom. I, I thought it, again, it was, it was artfully done. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Downton Abbey. When Downton Abbey started, I thought it was a brilliant show. And when it ended, it was very comfortable. Um, and it wasn't bad, but it was never as good as it was, where they would set up situations where you could tell, oh, these two characters are going to get together. And it would happen in the quickest, most convenient way. And what they did with Roy was I love that he he's not looking for anything. Then he becomes a pundit. Then he finds he likes it and he's good at it, which is important. It's not that he's barely hanging on or not enjoying it he has to turn away from something he's actually good at. And it's one of the things that's so brilliant in the kebab scene with the, uh, the chef who, you know, could have been a doctor. Um, and I felt like they really earned the turn for him to become a coach. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the easy path. It wasn't the convenient path, but it's a much more interesting path. And it gives a nice spotlight to Roy to see kind of the, you get to see the tumult of, having trained your whole life to do something, not being able to do it and trying to figure out how to fill that void and the missteps and things that fit but don't fit as well as you want them to along the way. Uh, as the guy who writes romantic comedies, I adored episode five. Um, I thought one of the things they did really well was having Ted introduce his uh, love of communism, rom communism, um, in, in the context of telling the players how to play is that it, hid the fact that they were going to use the rom-com on Roy. I thought it was going to play much more like in the sport and it wound up being much more with Roy, which I thought worked really well because I didn't see it coming. There's no part of me that says, let's do a romantic comedy with Roy Kent. Uh, and I thought that pulled out well. And uh, as someone who has had knee surgery myself, I love watching him pop his knee back because I do that. It's too. Just Not painful. as painful, but I hate it. Oh. God, it's painful. Both Linda and Chris, like, ah, don't do that. Uh, yes, it was neat to see them not forget the reason he's not playing. And uh, we saw it in the Christmas episode. And then when again, we saw it, you know, when he's trying to do, when he's doing the um, traditional trope of trying to get somewhere and being stopped, you know, you know, uh, from any romantic comedy at all you know from jersey girl to love actually or you know what or, you know or um notting hill or something you know where you're trying to get that I, I love that um i love the idea that he didn't know he wanted to be a coach and all of a sudden that awareness right that i thought they really sold that well where because at first he's just being typical roy we don't know. Well, how's he going to do? Well, we don't know. I don't know. I'm not in there. I can't make a decision, you know? And then all of a sudden the click where he sees Isaac and he see a difference he made and it, you know, I, I you know, you see the tumbling and going, wow, what do you go? Um, I love the whole, I, I'm a big romantic comedy too. And I do love Ted quoting all the things even down to as you wish and and roy yeah. just grumbling like because he sees what he's doing and they they acknowledge that he's you know and it's just i'm just uh, you know it's like as you wish as you wish leave me alone um and then the whole um did i use too many f's in his speech to isaac and he's right. like you know right. hey after a while i just went with it you know it's kind of like uh showgirls um, so I, I agree. I think it's really nice that we've got him as part of the team. And I love that um, you could have gone with Nate and Nate was jealous and he was feeling, but then you get his moment. And so I, I'm curious to see where they're going to go because Roy seems really proud of Nate, mm -hmm. you know, at the end. I mean, he's not, there's no jealousy on Roy's mind. It's just, he's, he's Nate. He's, he's my, you know, friend. Um, I also love that um, Roy had no interest being a diamond dog. Like, nope, nope. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do this. Not, you know, that yep. was, that's so typical of him. Like, nope, I'm not going to do this. And, and even the physical comedy of 
Nate trying to say, why don't, you know, why don't you just walk around, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, what, what are you doing? Uh, So very, very cool. Um, All right. So we're going to see where Nate's going to go. I do need to know, I love the Christmas episode. In fact, we're watching it and Chris said, okay, we watch a Charlie Brown Christmas every either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day every year. And Chris is like, okay, we need to include this in the mix. This is mm-hmm. a, this is an episode that we need to celebrate because it's so, uh, and they did such a nice job of, of Higgins talking about, well, we always throw our house open to players and, you know, one or two show up. And then when they start showing up, and there's no panic. There's just where are we going to sit, everyone? And at least there'll be plenty of food and drink. And and you're like, gosh, I wish I was there at that party. That's, mm-hmm. That that seems amazing. If, if I nitpick that, the only problem that I have with that, with people showing up at his house, is is Jamie Tart not being there. And so either either give a throwaway line like, oh, I'm going. I'm going to be with family or something, but explain why he's not there. At least, you know, when, when Keely and, and Roy and, and um, the little girl, why am I spacing? Can't or aren't there. It's it's explained, you know, they're on their own, they're on their own journey. They're on their own thing. But with Jamie, there's no explanation. And I don't like that. Just give me a throwaway line, give me something or have him be there. I'm, I'm trying to think, are any of the British players at the party? I thought it was just all the nationals. Um, I want to think it is it, because I guess maybe like Jamie had to go see his mom. Right. You know, I, I just, a, yeah. I just figured that the locals had somewhere to go, but it was nice to see all the nationals come and be part of that party. My only nitpick was you throw some sort of tablecloth over the pool table. That's felt. <laughs> I yeah. like seeing that that's where they got it, but I just mm. thought somebody would have covered it with something. And I did love the, um, we're French. We always believe a beautiful woman helps everything. And he gets <laughs> his young son staring at her. Right. And, um, and then Higgins dragging out his bass to play, you know, for the street yeah. musicians was just genius. That was just mm-hmm. so perfect. And I am totally in favor of Hannah Waddingham singing once a season, period. Yes. Just put that on your list. At least. At least. Yeah. For sure. If we can find some other way to shoehorn it in that's plausible, I'm in for that as well. But you have to have it at least once a season. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. She sounds, you know, and I guess that is where she made her reputation, I guess, is on London's... um, West End, I think, is their version of Broadway, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and that's where she's from. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I I, um, I loved it. Um, and, and I'm glad to hear that you guys were okay with the romantic comedy because they did it well. I thought it was yeah. a really fun. And then even the Christmas with the, you know, the little signs and Roy wanting to beat up the kid and yeah. the idea of, I'm going to knock in my posh neighborhood till we find a dentist and then right, you no know, one would get yeah. one. Like, sure. Come well, on that in. Whole, that whole love actually callback. Love actually is one of my probably top five favorite films period. And so to have that in that Christmas episode, I, it, it, it really did. It just, it really touched me and I loved it. And then again, like I said, so I just thoroughly enjoy and love romantic comedies. I always have. And so to have, that episode and just all of the, you know, the, as you wish, or the, I'm just a coach standing in front of a boy and just these little things. And it, it made me, it made me love it so much. Mm-hmm. The, the, I was going to say the, the only, the only other thing that bothers me about the Christmas episode is not the episode itself. It's that because there's so much going on in any given episode, it's head lasso to get one that's out of continuity just it felt especially for a show that's 10 13 episodes that felt like a little it wasn't what i was expecting the episode itself is brilliant and like it felt like richard curtis directed it which is for me a high compliment and i love the love actually stuff and i love that 
uh, his niece forgives the kid and the kid actually asks for, for forgiveness. I thought that was really well done, but it just, the only thing I had against it was that I wanted to see season two of Ted Lasso and I got standalone of Ted Lasso. If this had come out at Christmas, I would not have, you know, this, it was almost like a Christmas episode of Doctor Who where it's almost out of continuity. Yeah, uh, I think it, it almost would have been that Christmas special. And I guess because of the time, you know, I'm not as familiar with um, the seasons of European soccer. So, you know, I, I guess that made sense because we had started to see winter and, and the weather. Um, so it's very funny. And yes, um, I also love the idea that... Um, her breath really was that bad, right? They, they keep telling her, oh, no, it'll be fine. And they're like, oh, right. you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to come up with a medical reason was a great payoff. I also love just, it's a throwaway scene, right? But Jamie not realizing what a secret Santa was, you know, mm-hmm. and then. Well, Bannon, God bless me everyone that I fell out (laughs) I fell out laughing about yeah and then for them to have an unopened bottle of booze and then they make it looks like a big cracker and you know and they're like I didn't know we were giving booze and here's everyone with bottles with the scarf and no 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 I'll wrap my booze with it was was a really sweet moment um I love the fact that Jamie is not as a good a player when he's being a team player. And, and I thought they played that really well, right? Like you, Roy and Jamie are going to always have a conflict because as we talked in the first season where they were at the charity gig and Roy talked about this old player that he admired and they never got along. And, you know, Jamie said, do you guys ever make up? He goes, no, I hate him. I hate him to this day. So I'm glad there wasn't an easy thought up, but I do like that Jamie is still Jamie, but also Jamie is smart enough to know I didn't have anywhere to go. They gave me a place here and I want to be a good teammate and to go to, to Roy and say, I want to be better at what I do. You need to coach me. I thought was a really nice storyline and, and a nice subplot. Tom. Um, yeah, I think so too. And I, I think it does a lot of heavy lifting uh, one. Cause I'm not all that familiar with soccer straight up. So I like that they're causing creating problems that I understand how they're solving because if their problem ever involved somebody in the backfield, I would be lost. So the idea of a character not acting the way the character needs to is important, but it also shows that all the stuff that Jamie has been doing since he changed his kit is actually working because Roy, who the more I think about him while he's, he's delightfully gruff. um, He's also like bitingly honest constantly, Like he won't, he won't lie to you. And as a result, he's, he kind of becomes the truth teller in the show and whatever he does, he doesn't have an agenda. So he will tell Jamie how to play better or call out Ted for messing up Jamie. And I, I just, I really appreciate that because one, because I can understand it, but two, it actually shows that Jamie really has changed because when you first see him change, you're almost wondering how much is this going to stick? Is he going to fall back on his old ways? And by showing his change through his play really shows that he's a he is acting differently he's a different person i mean he's still an idiot and self-centered but he's not the same idiot and self-centered which is really interesting to see the credit i want to give is to phil dunster as jamie tart because in that scene where they're having that conversation and roy is telling him that he needs to be a prick and he goes he goes i get to be a prick again and then they know, oh, and you can see his shoulders fall like, like <laughs> it was just so disappointing. And it was so great to see that it was, it was just a beautiful, beautiful touch of how he, he acted that and played that. So that was, that was great. Um, I really appreciated that. Yeah. One of the, one of the players that used to frustrate me, even during the Mavericks playoff run was Jason Terry 
um, and Jason Terry was a, you know, was with the Mavericks and, and was a vital part of their one championship team. But in interviews, he would say he always had confidence about shooting the ball, even when he was incredibly cold. Like if he had missed 10 shots in a row, he would still want the ball and shoot it. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're cold. Why, why would you not want to go to somewhere else? And the idea of Jamie kind of becoming a team player and knowing to help the team better is strong. But I think Roy going, there are times when I need you to be that selfish a-hole where it is not about the team. It's about you and you're gifted as God blessed your right foot, (laughs) you know, that there are times. And, and I love that when they gave him the signal, which I did not know was going to be. And when it was there, it was perfect. You're like, of course, that's what the signal is Mm -hmm. for him to go. Okay. You're going to foul me and I'm going to score from here. And there's nothing you could do about it. And that arrogance. And then he does that is just this wonderful moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The writing on that was, was absolutely perfect for sure. Yeah. And you know how, Sorry. And you know how difficult it is when Beard is saying it's too far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and Roy absolutely knows that that's 100% what he's going to do. No, he's going to score from there. The little prick's going to score from there. I loved it. Yeah, it was just really, really great. Um, Let's talk about Rebecca, Rebecca's love life. Um, one, she's got her little boy toy that seems to be a very nice young man, even though he doesn't wear clothes when he's going down to get tea. Um, and whether, and he thinks her mom is the maid. <laughs> and then the maid, hilarious. yeah, the maid, I will start somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll start in the study. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, so I love the fact that they wanted you to think Ted was her text buddy. Um, in fact, when they saw her smiling and then they cut to him texting, I went, okay, I think that's a little too obvious. I think, I think that's what they want us to think and then we're going to be. I did not picture Sam being her text buddy. So either one of you start, which one where you want to start with? Let's go Tom and then we'll go to you, David. Oh, I, I think it's super interesting because you're right. I thought they were I thought they were playing with it being Ted. I didn't realize how big a deal it was going to be, but we're seeing that that Rebecca is having real conversations with Sam, where she's not really so concerned about conversations with her other friend, which is perfectly fine. But it it's letting Sam be deeper than you would think. And it's a really interesting callback to that first season where she thinks he's inviting her out. And yes. he, he totally, he sees why the situation is wrong, but he also, that scene is written and played in such a way where he's like, but you're fantastic. And I would like to do that, but like, I'm not asking that, but like, he's not rejecting her. He's, he's in fact saying you are awesome, but that's not what's going on here. And I thought that was, it's going to be really, I don't know what they're going to do with it. And I, I love having a thing like that that I don't know what they're going to do with. I don't know if I said it on our last podcast or not, but I thought that the, the setup and, and what it looked like was Ted, but that it was going to be Sam. Because of that, of what happened last season, what Tom was just referencing, and for some reason it just felt like that was going to be how they played it. Because you you want you, you only have a finite number of characters on the show and if you're if you're going to have that drama or going to have some sort of awkward exchange or you you're going to write it well who are you going to have and and because of that interaction last season is what made made me think that it was going to be sam having said that i'm all for it i think that that's a great connection i think that there's a lot of of drama and and depth that you can have in that storyline if you wanted to continue it but I just don't think they will. I think that mm-hmm. I think it'll end up getting resolved, if you will, in some relatively quick fashion over one episode or something like that. And and maybe I'm wrong. And and I, but I kind of and I and I hope I am. Honestly, I, I would kind of like to see how that plays out in a in a relationship because there's a lot of there's a lot of wrong there from her being the owner and him being a player, mm-hmm. the age gap. 
Um, there's a racial sensitivity that they could address. There's a lot of things that could be mined that I that I would love to see, honestly. Yeah, I I also thought of that was Sam's best scene last um, season was with Rebecca when he will like we you know you're part of this team too and to have that you know like the Harry Potter line and the hexes and you know how he was very charming and then he's done really well um I'm I'm really happy with um they've given several players a little more depth like we've seen a lot more of Isaac this time and like you know talk about him being Santa and you know kind of controlling everyone and you know this this you know he's on his throne and he you know real cool yes Just he did real he, cool. I wanted yeah. that as my background I thought that was yeah. really yeah. cool mm-hmm. and to have them um to Rebecca to be you know kind of captivated by this person because they are connecting and and I love Keely like just tell her you own the team and that you're fit right like you know uh and by the way I I will um Roy Kent wears a dark suit amazing he always looks good so I'm going to throw that in there so I won't be considered sexist but wardrobe on Rebecca like that tan suit with the hat and everything was like oh my goodness she just she looks stunning mm-hmm. and how well they dress her that you know it it's very clear she's you know like she said well, let me just buy the restaurant you know <laughs> so that you know <laughs> uh I, I i love how she's looking and what she's doing and i don't know you're probably right david they'll do this they'll tie this up very quickly but part of me hopes they don't because I agree with you. I think that's a very interesting storyline. I think there could be some awkwardness on this that the reality is you you've already developed a relationship via, you know, this, these chats. And so if you get out of each other's way, when you're there face to face, there should be a comfort after you get past the, awkwardness of it because you've already been having conversations and have already shared a lot with each other so i'm looking forward to seeing what they do yeah i'm I'm wondering if they're going to do the reverse with it yeah because i have trouble believing that a 21st century show like ted lasso is going to have the boss be involved with the subordinate um but it would be very interesting if they both kind of decide they want it and can't have it um because he's not going to play forever uh or he could play for a different team or it as opposed to them fixing it and getting past it really quick it would be interesting to see it linger unsatisfied yeah absolutely the thing thing that i would say is is one of the things that i appreciate it or appreciate about this whole thing too is when they when they first introduced banter and that it was uh you know texting with no pictures or whatever so immediately, I think because I like romantic comedies, I'm thinking of You've Got Mail and and the predecessor for that and and just how that plays out. And then to see, you know, his tag is being London 152, which brings me back to You've Got Mail. I just I love the whole thing that and that continues on with this whole romantic comedies and this over overarching theme. And And Tom, to your point earlier, where you talked about when he's talking about rom communism and he's talking about how it doesn't, it doesn't always end how you think it will. And, you know, the forest is the middle and, and everything like that. You know, if you've read some of the things that they've talked about in their interviews, you know, they've said that this season is, is your, your empire strikes back season where it's a real dark season. So there's no telling how it's going to end. And I really think that that speech coming when it did not only played for that episode, but really was kind of a roadmap for how they plan on finishing this over the next season and a half that I think that we're, we're about to really be in the forest and it's going to get darker and we don't know how it's going to end up. We don't know if it's going to be the way we want, but it will work itself out. And I'm just happy to be along for the, for the ride really. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I was a little 
Ted's speech did not make as much sense to me as like when um, he told the story about the dog dying as it, when he, he was afraid of right. the young dog and dying made a little more. This one seemed, I don't know. And because we ended up getting the pay out of the romantic comedy, but this speech talking about not worrying about it as much was a little off for me, um, especially you know, I don't know in a football team or any sports team, what's going to end up the way it's going to end up where, no, we kind of do control our own fate. So that was, that was a little strange for me. I wonder if that's a feature, not a bug. Okay. Um, Because I agree. It wasn't Ted Lasso's best speech. And it felt like occasionally I think they, they have Ted be a little too Ted. And it felt like that was a bridge too far. But because of that, I didn't put any faith in it. I didn't think it was coming back. I thought it was such a misfire that it wasn't going to be the point of the episode. So it catches me caught me off guard when it became the point of the episode and it became a running through line and then to end with the big romantic comedy. So I don't, I don't know if that speech is purposefully not awesome so that you don't realize that it's supposed to be awesome well and i also i wonder is this a symptom of how ted's not doing as well as you think he's doing i I think they've played it very well the you know drinking on the christmas you know, I think the him having the visual with his son, you know, and, and the, making the joke about, I, you know, a guilt gift. I was, you know, kind of I was, you know, I, I kind of was pulled. He was pulled away from a gift I bought that's too expensive. And I can't remember the exact line. And, and then to <clears throat> have him that quick where his son's school calls him because he doesn't have a lunch and there's nothing Ted can do about it. I, I just think there's, I think they paid back the panic attack and what's going on with Ted. And I love the fact that, you know, we've set up that this doctor is very good at what she does. And he has been, I don't need him. I'm fine. We don't need her. Well, I guess my teens need her. And I really liked the idea that, you know, it's kind of like West Wing, right? Like originally Aaron Sorkin just wanted an excuse for President Bartlett to be watching daytime TV. So he's like, okay, what could be a reason why the president would be watching TV? Oh, what if he had a disease? Oh, what's the disease it could be, which led to the MS storyline? all because Sorkin wanted, you know, him to be watching reality TV, you know, so I could see how do we have Nate have a moment? How do you have this where there is no, they're rudderless as you guys talked about, well, we could do this. And oh, by the way, we've already established that he has these panic attacks. He had one last season. I just think that's, you we talk about conflict you talk about it i think seeing ted do this is really interesting to me and and i'm curious i think that's going to be something that plays off the rest of the season david yeah i mean i don't think unlike sorkin where it was more happenstance i think this was very well planned i think it was all of the the seeds were planted in season one from the get-go obviously I mean, you don't take this job across the pond coaching something you've never done before if there's not serious issues. And so, you know, him running away and him finding whatever he finds here at Richmond and then, but it's obviously not resolved. And and I love the fact, the way that his his hands clench up and he has to put them in his pocket. And, and I love that Rebecca is the one that, that sees that knows really what it is. The one, okay, the one, the one problem I have is he wakes up in Dr. Sharon's office. He's got his coat on. There was a coat on the floor, which is why Rebecca was going, what? what? Whose coat was it? What did I miss? There's something, there's either a continuity issue there or somebody else's coat was on the floor, which makes absolutely zero sense. 
I did not catch that, but yes, now that you mentioned it, when I rewatch it, I'll go, hey, wait a bit, what was that coat? Yeah, and I'm I'm curious if it's two coats. Like, is he wearing like a winter coat and a like a windbreaker kind of thing? But I well, I kind of yeah, thought it, the same thing too because I once he was in there, I almost expected him to be naked. Um, of course, I thought he was going to fly to the United States. So when he had his okay. panic attack, I thought I think they've done a really good job in that to show that Ted is not as good as he thinks he is or is. You can, you can either see places where you see the cracks or you can see him overcompensate. And he's been overcompensating all season. And the beginning, the beginning of episode six, I knew he was going to crack. I didn't know when he was going to crack, but his scene of being charming to everyone going into the, uh, going into the office is clearly set up that he's trying too hard. And his reaction with the doctor is him trying too hard. And Speaking I thought that was that, great. I'm sorry, keep going, Tom. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, I just when you mentioned him going into the office, the one callback there was when we got laughing Liam. Do you guys remember that? And the when from episode two, whenever they or three, whatever it was, when they introduce our Higgins is having to go and not have his office anymore and She's like, how come you don't go sit out here? And he goes, because of laughing Liam. And Higgins does his laugh. And then that guy, they introduce laughing Liam and he does the laugh. I fell out with that. I did not I catch that. that. I'm yeah, yes. Oh, that is yeah. awesome. Yes. Go back and watch it. Yeah. Yes. Laughing mm-hmm. Liam. Mm-hmm. The great. show does such a good job of being rewatchable. Like you, it's so artful in how it builds things up that it really does benefit from seeing it a second time. Um, and yeah, that was just my whole point is that they've they've been telegraphing Ted uh, losing it at some point. I love that Rebecca was saw it. I actually kind of like that Beard didn't see it because I, I like him not being omniscient as much as he's my probably my second favorite character. And I thought it was brave storytelling to have the entire um, the wind happen off camera just through narration that you're paying that attention brilliant. to as yeah as rebecca's looking for ted it, it it really it sours it it does a really good job of explaining um you, you see how far rebecca's come because while she she's worried about ted in a way that she wouldn't have been in the first season and we see that she's a different character as well yeah um did you i i, I think it, it was really interesting. I had not about thought about him going to the U.S., though I do, I did think about, you know, that it's got to be hard being away from your young son. Um, and no matter how much you're enjoying your job and, um, and we always talk about what a great neighborhood. I just, you know, on, you know, the idea of living in those shops where you could, you know, you're, you've got this great apartment and you're within that, you know, I would love every meal with May, you know, mm-hmm. in there. I mean, that is just a, you know, talk about a cheers atmosphere to bring in another sitcom, right? That feeling. And then the, the scene where the three guys aren't talking about soccer, they're doing like, you know, the bake off or something was just Temper your chocolate. You taught that, <laughs> yes. that line. God, that was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think this will be interesting what we're seeing. Um, you know, I continue to love uh Keely and Roy. I just think they're have just a great relationship together. Like even with when she's talking to the niece about like we're not gonna get rid of your cat because your uncle is not a monster and she's staring <laughs> at him. And there is I continue to love them together. Uh, and that seems to be a really solid relationship. And, I, and I'm hoping that this is because they're both a little bit older. There is not the you don't have to go through the drama of, oh, we can we need to break up our couple. We can like, no, this is just they, they both have had previous experiences. They know what they want in a relationship and they've determined it's each other and they're rolling forward. I really love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what am I forgetting to talk about? 
Coach any Beard. other topics? Yes, Coach Beer and Jane. Yes. So, yes. Thank you. Tom, take us away. Uh, I really love this too because I, well, I just love the show. Um, but I love it because it's showing something that really seems like it's destined not to work out. And we have so many relationships that are good and healthy if, you know, if dealing with their own problems that to show us a relationship, which is clearly not right. And to see how everyone deals with it, because it's re it is really hard. You know, even it's the one place where Roy is not honest. He, for as much as he called Rebecca on the carpet for saying, you need to find someone like a bolt of lightning. He's also not getting involved with beard. And it just occurred to me. That's the one place where he's not actually telling the truth. And I mean, I love that Higgins was the one that did it. And I love how Beard handled it. And I love that that spurred Rebecca to deal with her parents differently. But it, it's just such an interesting plot to see them do something that looks like it is headed for the opposite of a happy ending that I, I really want to see where they go with it. You get Beard and Jane together and there's a weirdness, right? Because from the very from the very beginning, they they love chess. They're doing chess in their head at the dance, and it's on again, off again every time. And that's the that's the thing that I love about it too is that. And it's until now, it's really been off screen and throwaway. And it's oh, we broke up, but we're going to Stonehenge, you know that type of thing. I mean, it's just it's it's just been throwaway lines that really progress those characters together, and then to actually see them together, that was that was funny and then to have her jump out in the car park <laughs> that was that was really great too yeah mm -hmm. and I, I love that where he hugs higgins um and i love the idea that um he can't stay quiet right like leslie can't he's like i i need to you know and um and shows how he's grown because as rebecca said last season you stayed quiet all the time while Rupert was you know fooling around on me and and he won't do that um and so I, I this is interesting because I I like the actress who plays Jane you know I mean they, they she seems to be very likable what few scenes we've seen with her so it isn't like a friend's Janice thing where they deliberately write a character that's unlikable so that, you know, I mean, she seems to be very likable and they, and they, I, I like that their whole, ch as you guys talk about the chess thing. And so there is that, but that might be one of those things where, you know, um, gasoline and fire together just are a bad combination. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, and I, I want more scenes of, Higgins and his wife. I just, I love this, that they've been married this many years with this many kids. And, and, you know, I think before this recent raise that he got, he was struggling financially, just, you know, a little bit with that many kids. And I just love him telling the story about him air basing and pouring beer on it. And, they, you know, and he talks about the Rolling Stone song, and then they end that using that Rolling Stone song, which was um, really sweet, considering we just lost uh, Charlie Watts, you know, it just, it, it just made for a really, really emotional um, togetherness, and seeing them happy together, both at Christmas and that just makes me smile. You know, you mentioned how great the, the actress is that plays Jane, that's Phoebe Walsh. She's also one of the writers. So that just goes back to showing the depth of that writer's room, just from Roy Kent to Brendan Hunt to Jason Sudeikis and Phoebe Walsh. And Lord knows, I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's others that are in that room that have made an appearance that we may or may not know, but yeah, she's, she's fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. That's, that's interesting. That makes that, I, I glad to see that. That's that's very cool. Um, what else am I forgetting? Anything else we need to cover? 
Not that I can think of. Okay. Um, Speculation. I mean, yeah. How many episodes do we have left? We got four, I think. We, we have six left. Okay, six. Okay. So there's there's twelve this season, and that's one of the things that that we were read. So Tom mentioned earlier about how the Christmas episode is a standalone episode, and as far as I'm aware. And what I have heard is, is that there will be one more standalone episode because when they were originally breaking season two, they anticipated that they would have 10 episodes and Apple gave them 12. And that's what spurred them to write the Christmas episode. And ah. then there is going to be another one that, that will probably be, that won't advance the plot, that will stand alone, but I don't know what that one's going to be. Okay. Hmm. Um. So I've never been uh, like, I don't know European soccer enough. I mean, I would be that, you know, which is still one of my favorite lines. How is that offsides? No, seriously, explain to me. I still understand offsides. Um, I, I like the idea of because, you know, we grew up watching Rocky and the Bad News Bears and and, you know, the the Ducks and all this stuff, this under tag, you know, this misfit team ends up being playing well enough and and we got last season where they were relegated so it is kind of funny you know even the doc says when you make the semifinals, you get one drink with me right he, she's going mm -hmm. out so it'll be curious to see do they show the team having some success or not do you guys have a do you want to make a prediction yeah i i think they get unrelegated if that's a thing because I think they get relegated in season one, they come back in season two, and season three is them in the championship. Whether or not they win or not is going to be a whole other thing. But I think that's the natural flow to it. Now, that said, if the show keeps doing really well, I have no problems believing that they can take a longer path to get there if they want. So I know they've said three seasons, but it seems like everybody gets along and everybody really likes the show. And if they want to do four or five, as long as they're still going where they want to go, I'm okay with that. But I think ultimately they get unrelegated and then they come back and they're in the championship. David. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I want to see that, but I think the way that they kind of set it up with, so you, know, you only have uh, 36 games in a season in English Premier League. So they had eight straight draws, eight straight ties. And now, you know, we know that they've won some, they've lost some. Right now, I mean, unless there's some major swing where they go on a major winning tear, if you're thinking about it from a realistic standpoint, they don't have enough runway to get to the, to the point where they would be promoted because okay. that is it. So the top two teams, in the championship league that they're in right now get promoted to um, the premier league. And maybe they can, because there is a tournament where the third team. So how it works and for English soccer is the bottom three teams get relegated. They get dropped the top, the top two get automatically promoted. And then there's a tournament where a, a third team is, is included. So that's one Isn't of the great things about it. Isn't the tournament what they're doing right now? The Isn't FA that the Cup? March Madness thing that they're they're referring to? Uh, yes, and and I don't, I can't remember if the winner of the FA Cup because the FA Cup includes all the clubs, which in, which is Premier Championship and mm -hmm. all. So I don't think it's the winner of that that gets promoted because the winner of that could be a Premier League team already. Right. So, I mean, if I remember just in vaguely right, like they stop in the middle of the season and do a kind of free for all that you know, instead of an all-star break, it's a tournament break, right? Is that something yeah. along that line? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, but, it, but there's an end of season where I think it's because there's like, there's two or three different levels of the league, like major league, triple A, double A, et cetera. And so right now they would be considered in triple A, but I think it's the double A and the triple A that play a tournament. I honestly, I can't remember. I shouldn't. All these people that might be listening that are really actually soccer fans are going are telling us what about? we're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but I know that, you know, that's the bottom three that get relegated and then the two that get promoted and then another team gets selected. So um, it's possible that that third team that gets selected, that could be where they're going to, to put them back up into the premier league. Um, 
And obviously, I mean, that's, I think that's where you would want to be. Whenever you're going to wrap up your final season, I think, again, whether they win the championship or not, I think you want them in the Premier League just for mm-hmm. just for form's sake, really. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it absolutely want to do that. Um, I um, am really, I've enjoyed the first six episodes. I'm, I'm excited to see the next six. Um, I think that um, it's going to be interesting where we're going. Um, you know, Ted's journey, Ned's journey, everyone else's. So uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, we've gotten a chance to talk about it. Any thoughts or predictions for the next six episodes? Uh, David, you got any? Um, do you want to go on the record for anything? The drama that plays out between Sam and Rebecca, which, by the way, a throwback to Cheers, Sam and Rebecca. Ah, there uh, you go. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so another Cheers callback there. But the drama there, I think that's going to be something that I'm very interested in seeing play out. Whatever happens to Nate, um, I'm, I'm honestly... I'm as worried for Nate as I am for Ted. I think that that the trauma that Nate has experienced from childhood, where he talked about his dad breaking up his his girlfriend, telling him they both could do better, and she listened to him. I I mean, I think that that built-in trauma. I think he's got a long way to go, and I don't think it's it's as easy as oh, well, he's being respected now. No, I don't think that's going to be just it. So I'm curious to see the progression there as well. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how the next six play. Yeah, um, I'll get you in a moment, Tom. Yeah, Chris and I are watching this and he's like, boy, Nate's dad is tough, right? That is is a tough sell to give. Uh, How about you, Tom? Any thoughts? Um, I think that Rebecca's mom comes back at some point because that's too much world building to just leave. I think Sassy's going to come back, and I think she's going to be with Ted at some point. Um, and those are those are the big ones that I see. I mean, Ted's going to go dark, uh, but I want to see that. I want to I want to see him be damaged and, and figure out what he has to do to get past that. Uh, and- the one other thing, I'm sorry, Tom, the one other thing that I was going to say uh, that I mentioned last time was I still think somewhere in these next six episodes, Rupert and the baby have to make an appearance because you're talking about world building. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, you, you can't have him, you can't have that lingering presence and not bring that back. It's too much. It's too, it's too much gold to not have that. And yeah. See, I, I could be wrong on that. I think that's a third, third season thing unless it's a, a finale thing because they haven't, they haven't reminded you that he's there and that he's got a kid. So, and maybe it's just timeline stuff because I don't understand how time or soccer works, but do you need him not around long enough so that the next time we see him, it's plausible that he has a baby. Like there's, there's nine months you have to account for ish. Right. Yeah, so I-, I wonder if that's what they're doing. Yeah, and I also I agree that might be a season three just because it's so Anthony Head is such a great character, you know, that that mm-hmm. actor, you know, because he was just delicious last season, uh, you know, as someone who, you know, adored Buffy to see him play the bad guy was just so enjoyable and fun. So um, I think before we get out of here, I do. Um, I don't know how much you noticed, but um, Reba McIntyre was absolutely thrilled that she got a shout out and she tweeted like a Photoshop of her wearing a Richmond jersey. <laughs> yeah. Red lasso. That's yes. fantastic. I love yes. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, the two Ryan Reynolds, right? Or in, in the other, they. Oh, uh, yeah. Rob McElwain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They sent out like, we're offended and as compensation, we want biscuits, right? So uh, I, I love the idea that there is a celebrity fan base of this show that seem to enjoy interacting with the writers and, and the rest of the fans on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody loves it, except the, all the articles that are about hating Ted Lasso. But other yeah. than that, like people who actually watch it love it. 
Yeah, that's yeah. clickbait, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do think there is a little bit of, um, and and there is a little bit of that sophomore. They're wanting to see a sophomore jinx, right? The 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 band had a breakthrough album, and now then, well, they there's no way they can do a great second album because they've had all these years of you know that's they used all their good material on their first album. I, I think this is. They, they are telling a story they want to tell. And so I trust that I just know, you know, each time I'm, and I am not someone who will stick with the show necessarily that is not entertain me anymore. There's been a couple of CW superhero shows that I have adored. And now that I'm like, man, they've just, um, Legends of Tomorrow is a show that just mm-hmm. I used to adore. And now that I'm like, everyone I love this kind of left and the remaining people I don't like. And I just don't know if I want to watch the show anymore. And Ted Lasso hasn't disappointed me in that way at all. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, all right. Uh, let's go around the table. If someone wants to reach you, David, how can they? I am on Instagram and on Twitter at blind very nice. And uh, Tom, don't you have a little bitty program going on with Patreon and yes. so going on? Yes. I am at patreon.com slash Tom Zoller, where you can read some love and capes and help me make my new car payment. Yeah, uh, very interesting. As we talked about last time, uh, Tom has... Uh, Love and Capes is one of the worlds he created. It's absolutely, if you like romantic comedies, um, this is in your real house. And it is a set in a world of COVID and how mm-hmm. superheroes would react to COVID. And I think it's been uh, somehow been able to find the balance between being funny and yet insightful. So I recommend it strongly. So check that out. Um, and I, as always, um, as we put this out, um, I'm hitting six years on Set Lusting Bruce and uh, have some interesting episodes coming out uh, as we continue to talk to Springsteen fans from around the world. And uh, so I've got to get you on, David. We need to have you visit Set Lusting Bruce. Uh, so Tom's been on there multiple times. Mm-hmm. and so always fun to talk music with you guys and fun to talk Ted Lasso uh, the only thing I didn't get to was there any other favorite lines you wanted to mention before we get out of here uh, I had two quick ones one I have to give full credit to my girlfriend Emily for picking up that Rebecca said that she spent Christmas plotting which means that her Christmas Eve was figuring out that she was going to f- find some coach from America to take over the team <clears throat> and also the Hands down, the funniest line that I've heard in the show so far is uh, tell Mr. Puffin stuff. I said hello. That's a reference for people born in the early to mid 70s. I am laughing because, yes. And and Chris, Linda was like, HR Puffin stuff, HR Puffin stuff. Yes, it's great. David? Yeah, there's, I mean, every episode has, has different lines. But for me, I, I think the one that stuck out in the most recent one, I, again, I'll say it again temper your chocolate you twat i don't know why but i cracked up so much at that i paused it i rewatched it a couple times it is so funny to me and then to see them doing the soggy bottom and may in the background dancing and they're singing some soggy bottom thing that one was hilarious yeah it's it's pretty great so um i'm a fan yeah i um like i said i love the wigwam and tp because they're too tense was just just I just love that you know just like because I didn't get that at all and you know till they delivered it uh absolutely and then also I love meeting people parents because it gives them insight of why they're crazy or uh you know so pretty good um hey let us know what you think uh reach out to us on twitter uh, I am at Jesse Jackson DFW. Um, Tom is there on his patron, as is David on Twitter. I will include us in our show notes. But for now, thank you guys. We'll be doing this again in about three weeks. And uh, thank you all. We appreciate it. Uh, go get vaccinated. Go remember to wear your mask. Remember to social distance. Let's all be good to each other. Let's build herd humanity so we can get back to normal because I'm missing going to comic conventions with Tom Zoller. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 